story edge i am really excited for this i mean we've been we, we've been going back and forth just for this episode and um i'm really i'm here with satiria 120 robert cooks and um alan mcdonald these guys they have created a really awesome application um to to that's gonna from the way i see it revolutionize training education and the way that we do things and we're going to talk a bit about this today gentlemen welcome how are you doing today very well thank you uh marlon it's uh i'm just i'm recovering from a 41 hour trip from canada over to egypt <laughs> well done <laughs> well done <for> that. <laughs> and you robert how are you doing I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here, Marlon. I'm excited to have that you're having us on our podcast. And we always love talking about Satiria 120, the project we're working on, which is why we can get up and do this after long travel days or minus 20 degrees here in Canada. It's exciting stuff. So we're happy to talk about it. Yeah, this is awesome. I mean, and we're also talking from like various parts of the world, right? Um, Alan, Alan's in Cairo, um, Robert Yard's in Canada, and I'm in South Africa. So it's really, really awesome to connect um in this way um and and it's funny i was actually talking to somebody just yesterday and i was like you got you got to speak to these gentlemen from satiria 120 because you <laughs> because you're the way because they, they're actually in the, the space of um education and training and consulting in the iso um certification space and I was like, you guys have to meet these because this is because you're talking in the same line, especially health and safety. But that's like deep into the conversation. Let's just, I want to take it a step back. Okay. So just let's talk about what, what is Soteria 120 and um, what do you guys, okay, what do you guys do? What, just, just give us that overall idea of, of what is Soteria 120 and what, do, what does it do? I could peel down through a couple of layers on this one and start off at the high level is Marlon, we're trying to save lives. We recognize that um, in the construction workplace that we're familiar with, even here in Canada, where it's very well regulated, there's all kinds of rules and inspections and training, people are still getting hurt and people are still dying in the workplace. So it starts with that. It was a recognition that there's a problem with that. And then we thought we have a technology that can fix it or at least help fix it. Um, you know, the, this is a, an industry that really relies on symbols of safety, training, certifications, tickets, um, you know, different systems that they have in different workplaces. But many of those don't really capture the data that we think companies need and workers need to indicate that they're safe. So mm -hmm. what we did is we, we uh, partnered with a um, an educational technology platform that focuses on agile microlearning. And we've built from there. What we've built on top of it is a continuous certification and training process. So in uh, the traditional model, people would take a course, they'd sit in a classroom, they'd snooze through half of it, maybe they'd get some free pizza, they'd whip through a little easy test at the end of the day, and they get a piece of paper that says that they could do a certain task safely, whether mm. that's working at height, or um, working in a confined space or something more technical. 
But the same principle applies across all industries, whether it's uh, working with a particular piece of software or what have you. So what we do is instead of doing that course once every two or three years or even annually, we do that course every day. But we don't make people spend all their time training. In fact, they spend less time on a regular basis engaging with the training, but get far more value out of it. The Soteria 120 system is all about delivering security to the workforce and security to the business owners who need to protect that workforce as part of their, you know, their operating their business in 120 seconds per day. So in just two minutes a day, people engage with one part of our software that asks them some multiple choice questions about the whatever it is that they need to do in order to operate safely or operate correctly and indicate whether or not they're confident in their answers. Our system then takes that data and then uses that to predict where people need more training, where people need different sorts of support uh, management intervention, or um, you need to build the teams differently or assign tasks differently. And also then uh, provides that data back to the, to the supervisor in order to predict who's gonna make mistakes and who's gonna get hurt and how they're gonna get hurt. So we use this whole system in order to try to prevent, again, going back to the start of the conversation, people from getting hurt and killed and damage from happening and all kinds of other bad things from happening in the workplace. That's really what we're trying to do. That is amazing. That's amazing. So, now, the thing is, you, you, you guys are from, from highly regulated spaces um, in, 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 that, in Canada and stuff, but, um, and in the US and, and, and in Europe, highly regulated, um, especially in the construction, health and safety space. I know in South Africa, for example, there's a lot more, they, they, it is highly regulated as well, but not, not to the extent that you guys are. And um, if we go into Africa, it's a whole other story. Um, so, I mean, this is so, so important. Uh, Alan, you want to say something in that? Um, well, yes, <clears throat> because um, one of the, one of the, the things that, um, that, that I see going on, and, and it's a human trait. I, I'm, uh, I've got a second company, which is a, uh, a full-service safety company. So I get to see um, the result of all that training that industry and, and government is doing. Mm. And um, uh, so when Robert and I came together, it, it's a nice mix because uh, Rob is a learning uh, and development specialist. Um, I'm out in the field um, having to deal with the result of Rob's learning and development. <clears throat> and one of the things I've noticed is this, even in the most highly regulated oil field in the world, which is uh, Alberta, and arguably maybe the um, British oil field. Uh, you watch people do things that you're like, how did you even get on this job site? Like, what was going through your brain? <laughs> so I asked uh, one of our, our good mutual friends this question the other day. He's a, deep, he's a very deep thinker. And really it comes down to, well, you simply have to change the behavior. That's what we do. Because we do this in two minute sessions every single day. And once that information goes into long-term memory, it affects a behavioral change. 
without having to you know beat it into somebody so i find that interesting because i was gonna ask like do you find any difference and things like that so i'm i'm, I'm glad for that um that you actually answered that question now i i'm, I'm so are you trying to say that that the way we learn or the way we teach has not changed in 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 since in like as technology has evolved is that what you're saying well um i believe in our lifetime okay let's see you guys are young guys i believe in my lifetime that um it has changed and i think i've seen that change i've seen the change go from mentoring where you actually here's a <clears throat> Here's, a, here's a, a set of rules, here's a set of behaviors, here's how to go home safe every night. And when you get to the job site, the people that you work beside um, are there to watch out for you because you're inexperienced. And <clears throat> I've, I've experienced that piece and then I've watched it change. As our work sites are, uh, our industries have become more competitive because they really don't understand how to produce value for the client. They wind up, they wind up competing on price. Mm. So now it's how do I do this cheaper? Which is where you start getting these uh, uh, industrial um, assembly line type courses. Okay. Go get your first aid course. Go get your fall protection course. Go get your forklift course. Whatever it is, just go get that ticket. So we've gone from, you know, pairing you up with maybe at some place two or three people that that really know what they're doing, and you having all that benefit coming to you of those combined fifty or eighty years worth of experience coming to mm -hmm. you to keep you safe. Two. A box checking exercise. Got your ticket? Yep, check the box off. Okay, so what do you know? Well, I don't know. <laughs> you know, what do you know? Okay, well, let's put them out there. Okay, now we'll put them in a pine box because you didn't know enough. And there you are, right? That's where we're at. Um, and so what we're trying to do here is change that. And we're not only trying to change the worker perception, we're trying to change businesses perception. So we're, we're, we're trying to influence both sides of this equation and come up with a, uh, with a much better way to disseminate knowledge. If I can just so add on to that a little bit, like, like that's, Al, Al's bang on there, but I can bring in a couple other perspectives as well. You know, if we look back historically, until we had this public education system, almost all education was done. Uh, it was it was something that was a luxury product reserved for the elite, and it'd be done one on one. Right? You look at what is it? Alexander the Great was tutored by it wasn't Socrates, but it was some other great philosopher. Right, like it was one on one, and it was only available to the ultra rich in society, so they could learn to read and philosophize and all that kind of stuff. As we've made education and literacy available to the masses, which is undeniably a good thing, 
we have sort of gone to the lowest common denominator. What is the cheapest, most efficient way for us to disseminate that knowledge out there? And it's gone from classrooms with chalkboards and each kid having their own little chalkboard to now we've got iPads, which is fantastic. But the, uh, this technology has allowed us to do something called e-learning. And e-learning is a, a whole swath of different technologies and things, but at its base, it's like PowerPoint with some interactions and maybe a quiz attached. And God forbid somebody should put a video in there or a voiceover because that actually slows down the learning. And there's so much education out there and available now that in the industrial um, instructional design industry, we often see um, the job becoming one of more of curation, trying to find the good information, plug it into some sort of a system to deliver it. And that's great. And in a sense, we do the same thing when we build content in our platform. But we're really focused on helping people remember the information as opposed to just delivering it. So in the traditional methodologies, we talk about, you know, delivering training. Well, I think about Amazon coming to your door and delivering a package. They don't help you set it up. They don't even check to make sure what's in there or anything like that. They do a great job delivering packages on time and whatever you ordered is what's in there. With education, it's tough to know necessarily what it is you need to order to get a desired outcome in the first place. Mm -hmm. And then it's going to help you actually use it, right? So, so that's kind of where we come in and we say the focus is less on putting the content out there for people as it is about helping them remember what it is they need to know and using AI and algorithms to make sure that people are mastering the content that's relevant to them. And we're not making them waste their time watching a 45 minute long video, introducing them to a concept that they already understand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah please go ahead. To, go ahead, Alan, go to, ahead. To, to, to jump in there, I had some great conversations uh, with, my, with my mom over in Canada here just this past week. And it was focused around education. And she says, we, we were talking about, uh, I made the mistake of, of saying the word curriculum. Well, we're going to teach the curriculum. <laughs> she took great exception to that. Mm -hmm. No, you need to teach them what they need to know. You mm -hmm. don't need to teach curriculum. You teach the person. So what were, what, one, of the, one of the issues that I found in delivering um, instructor-led courses is you have to, you have to um, assess the classroom and then find the lowest common denominator. So the guy that knows the least about what you're talking about, and then that's where you have to, that's what you have to instruct him, which leaves all those other people who don't have, who have all that knowledge, hmm. you know, sitting there twiddling their thumbs, thinking about, you know, the milk or the shopping list or the got to walk the dog or, you know, anything else, but what you're talking about, because they already got it. And in Security 120, we find out what you know, and we check in on that stuff every now and then, but we focus on teaching your brain what it doesn't know, which keeps your brain engaged. Your brain, your brain is a very uh, ADD susceptible organ. If it isn't engaged, it is off doing something else. It's just like, you know, the, the most hyper kid you can imagine after you fed him a pound of sugar. <laughs> if, it, if, you, if, he, if you are not engaging the brain, it's off somewhere else. And Rob will attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, the, the, I want to jump into that because, because, I mean, if we've been we've been teaching in this, in sort of a in a style that not many people that that's really not being catered to us now where we are at this moment in time, um, and and we at this point of, especially in where we we kind of I mean, corporations have to upskill their workforce we 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 have to update ourselves in the latest sort of technology or just at least the basics so that you know we can we can continue to to sort of you know uplift our our stuff from that perspective from the other's perspective you know we need to learn these things so that we so that we know how to do certain things so that we get better at doing certain things but when you're talking about the brain easily switching off and easily just like going to go do something else, I found myself even with certain things that I'm interested doing that. Now, can we talk a little bit about the brain and like, and, and, and how we can actually just start changing our education to actually suit that and how especially Soteria 120 is best suited for that? Sure, I, I could jump in on this one because I do have a little bit of a background in neuroscience. Um, there, there, there's, there's so much to say here, but what, what I can say is this, is that the brain is not equipped to learn things after a single exposure. Sometimes we talk about flashbulb memories or some extreme event in your life, or maybe a great event in your life, like birth of a child or a wedding, and you remember it clearly. You actually don't. Um, and the thing is, with those memories, to the degree that you do remember them clearly, it's because you're replaying them a lot in your mind. So the brain works by continuously reinforcing and weakening the connections between, let's call them concepts, that concepts we don't really understand clearly how they're represented in the brain. A lot of people talk about brain cells and neurons and synapses, and there's all of that involved, but it's not a really a one-to-one -one relationship. But let's say that in your brain somewhere you have concepts and you want to make connections between them. You don't really do that by just seeing something once. You do it by seeing things repeatedly multiple times. And the example I always like to give is in um, one of my uh, courses in school, we were working on trying to understand epilepsy and giving uh, rats, lab rats, seizures. In order to oh. give them uh, the difference between a seizure, which you can do just by zapping the brain with electricity, and epilepsy, which is where they have seizures on their own, you need to repeat that process 20 times. If you get it right in the right spot, you might be able to get it 10 times. But even something as massive and transformational and, and, and huge, uh, impactful on the brain as, as a seizure doesn't happen with just one real good zap of electricity, right? So think about something as less impactful, uh, uh, less interesting to your brain, like how to perform a particular procedure at work or which box to tick on a form or uh, the sequence of you know, steps that you have to go through in order to inspect a piece of equipment and make sure it's safe to use. Like your brain is just like, your brain is, is in caveman mode most of the time, right? And it's going, what's the threat to me right now? And what do I have to do to address that? Or how can I help myself reproduce, right? And we're always thinking about that too. Um, if it doesn't directly relate to one of those things, your brain is like filing it away and maybe I'll deal with it later, you know, zone. And when you sit in a classroom, which is boring to begin with, you've got a PowerPoint up there, you got an instructor and they might be a fantastic instructor. They might be delivering a really passionate lecture about something. 
but it's not you're not in the situation you're not you're not experiencing some sort of life and death or or reproductive opportunity uh, that's going to make you really want to remember that information. Your brain really needs to attach some sort of significance to these events. And the further it is away from that, like, okay, so if you don't inspect this particular part of this piece of equipment properly, uh, you know, you've got a one in a thousand chance that it might break. And then you've got a one in a thousand chance that that might result in you getting hurt. Okay. So your brain is pretty smart. It goes, okay, nice to know, not crucial. Check out that person over there right? Or whatever it might be, you know, or you're thinking about that, that angry text message that you had with somebody or, or something else that's going on in your phone or some financial situation that you're in. Those things are more important to your brain. So they're taking up more space in your brain's, um, you know, memory, basically a working memory. If you think about a computer. So our educational systems have never really been a very good fit for how we learn. And we often talk now about, you know, people have short attention spans and all this kind of stuff. I don't think our attention spans have necessarily changed so much. It's just that the market, the competition for our attention has changed so much. I mean, right. just think of trying to scroll through a social media feed and you got ads popping in there. There's constantly things trying to interrupt your thought process. And that's why we really need to break out of this idea that we can sit people down in a classroom for half an hour an hour, half a day, a full day, or a full weekend, and expect them to retain any significant percentage of that information. In fact, the industry tells us that it's about 10 to 15% retention of what people recall of a session a month later. Mm. And that, I think, is actually really optimistic. And there's a couple of other numbers I can add to that, too. In the uh, instructional design industry, we talk about the 70-20-10 rule which suggests that, again, this is a rule of thumb. So we're not talking like hard math here, but 70% of what you need to do to do any task, you're going to learn on the job from doing it. 20% you're going to learn from your peers, that mentoring, that coaching that I was talking about earlier. And 10% you might learn in a formal learning experience, like a classroom or from a textbook or a video or whatever that is. So wow. if you take 10% of the 15% that you might remember, right? And how much of that is even relevant to your job in the first place? Because we throw a lot of stuff in these courses to try to fill time. I'll be honest with you. Sure. You maybe are walking away with 1% of what you needed to do that job after that classroom session. So training workers is one of the most absolutely business critical and crucial things that any business needs to do. You need to teach your people how to do what you want them to do. And you got to make sure that they're going to do it reliably, hopefully. But it's one of the biggest wastes of money and big wastes of opportunity. We leave so much opportunity on the table whenever we put together a classroom course that any business engages in. And I think a lot of business leaders understand this. They don't trust their training functions. They see it as a, as a, as a drain on the bottom line when they do their budget at the end of the month. And what we would love to do is help businesses get to the point where they see it as a strategic asset, where they see their, their, their people as the most important thing that their business has. And it's not just something that they say and put in their mission and vision statement. They can actually point to the impact that the training of their people is having on their business and the success that they're having and the impact that they're making in the lives of their customers and their community. You know, that's, that's I think, um, part of where we see the problem with the industry and what exactly we're trying to fix when we talk about Satiri 120's mission. Wow. Uh 
to 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 push forward on that and, and to um, make a comment of where we are now. Um, I was uh, uh, I, I took a position with the company to to manage a, a new acquisition, uh, and I was living apart from my wife for about thirteen months. So she popped into this. She she said, "You're going where?" Well, you have fun up there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so off I went with you know her blessing. She she dropped by just to see kind of what was going on one uh, one week. And she sat in on the morning part of a class, and then uh, went off to do some other stuff and came back just before the end of the class and wrote the exam. And pulled off 98%. This is a course in a subject she knows zero about. But she's a teacher. Yeah. Okay, well, that's pretty good. You know, the only thing you got wrong was this number that I said in the afternoon. I said, well, I couldn't possibly know that. And I said, so how does this work? She says, well, the exam written to be passed. Hmm. That's the problem. And, and it leads to another problem that I see um, across all industry, and that is exam anxiety. You want to see exam anxiety? You take a tradesperson who's been doing his job for 25 years and flop a multiple choice exam down in front of him about some safety thing. Honestly, he couldn't care less about it. But he needs that piece to be able to go do the trade he loves. And they wind themselves up in knots. So what we what I what I've what we've been able to do to alleviate that is us giving the exam oil. I'll just ask them the questions. Hey, what do you think? You know, here's the thing, A, B, C, or D. You know, they wind up, they come out of their 80%. They know the stuff. It's just they wind themselves up in knots about this. And so <clears throat> um, the, uh, the other little thing that happened is um, Rob and I were, were part of, the, part of the, the same company. And we, um, we had the experience of introducing a, a new course because this company had had uh, applied to this other body to have this course built. And so they, they built it and, and Rob and I showed up in the company just as they're starting to deliver this. And they thought, great, we got a learning and development specialist. We got this guy in the field who's a specialist in safety. What could possibly go wrong? Mm. <laughs> well, what went wrong was we asked those guys to think. And, and we asked them the questions we're at a, a um, post-secondary level in terms of language and pulling in scenarios and all this other stuff. Out of 20 people, exactly zero passed. Wow. So now I'm, <laughs> and typically in these courses, it's write the test, get your ticket. And that's the last time I see them. 
So 20 people wrote the test and 20 people didn't get their ticket. That means 20 people didn't go to work. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this and oh, this is not good. Okay, how am I going to fix this? Because I need to fix it right now <laughs> or these guys don't go to work. And they're, well, there's 20 of them and there's one of each. <laughs> they're tradespeople, right? And uh, yeah, it was a hostile situation, shall we say. And it really illustrated, it really illustrated um, the failing of the system. I know what the company was trying to do. They're trying to raise the bar. But unless you actually have brought the education of everybody in that room up to second, third year university, where, where, they're, where they're, they're looking at questions in logic all the time, it's never gonna happen. Mm. I, I can guarantee you, I could take any one of those people out in the field and say, here's the safety stuff, here's the situation, what do you do? They go, oh, well, you just do this, this, and this. Because they know it. I know they know it. I know that because of how they went through the course. Mm. And, and so this is, this is where Soteria 120 comes in because it's all a test. It's just people don't realize it, right? We make um, making mistakes okay again. You can get a question wrong or a scenario, you know, you could choose the wrong, the wrong answer because we'll tell you what the right answer is. And then a little later in the week or next week, you'll get that question in. Oh yeah, right. Right, okay, because it was this because of this. And, that, and that's, the, that's the power here is we're saying, here's the situation. Here's your, here's your selection of, of uh, options. And when they choose their options, they ask, tell us how confident they are. And then we say, here's the reasoning for the right answer. Whether you get it right or dead, we don't care, right? We prefer you to get it right. But if you don't, you get that question more often. The stuff you the stuff you know, we just check in to make sure you remember it. That's all. And in doing that, there's no there's no building pressure. Every single hour that goes by in a classroom led or structure led classroom is building anxiety until that test at the end of the day, and they all know it's coming. And some of them do not handle it very well. Yeah, let's, let me just let me just build on that because I, I the analogy I like to use for that is you know if you imagine your piece of toast you want to put some butter or jam or something on that and you just take a big chunk on your knife and you just plop it down in one corner and then you tell somebody to go and eat that corner first it's kind of gross right we just we spread it over the butter like or spread the butter over the toast like everyone knows you're supposed to. Um, but in the training world, the reason why we do that is because it costs money. It costs money for um, people to sit in a classroom for a while. It costs money to people uh, to, to not have them out there working. But, um, you know, when we do it like this with two minutes a day, it doesn't really cost the company anything in terms of the workers time or the lost productivity from having them sit in the classroom. 
So mm -hmm. we really like the approach of saying, you know, you just, you spread it out over time. You don't have to do all the training at one point. You don't have that test anxiety, but if you did need to come in and write a test, we now know that not only would people have seen all of the content that they need to cover for that test repeated over time, but we can predict whether or not they're going to pass that test. We can wow. tell you exactly where they're at in their learning curve. We can tell you where they're at in their confidence as well, because it turns out that uh, your right or wrong answers on a test are not actually the best predictor of what you're going to actually go ahead and do with that information. Because you knew it in that situation, in that setting, with the questions phrased that exact way, right after yes. you finish the course. The best predictor is their level of confidence. And so we're actually gathering that data from the learners, and then we're plugging it into our analytics and we're using that data. And that is actually the most powerful part of this program. And there's just, in traditional systems, there's no way to ingest the data. There's nothing you can do with that information of whether or not somebody's confident in the answers. But mm -hmm. that is the direction that I think um, training has to go. And I'm already seeing a lot of trends showing that there's many other organizations, even textbook companies are starting to now include that information because we now actually, the, the transformation is that we have the ability to use that data and of course, in our case, we have the ability to present it to people in a mobile app instead of saying you have to sit in a classroom and write a test for a day. And then, you know, 20 odd years ago, it was okay. Now you can sit in front of a computer and plug a CD-ROM in or download something from the internet now and write a course. Well, mobile technology and the ability to analyze all this data and personalize every individual person's learning experience brings us right back to where we were hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, where everyone has a unique learning experience because they each have their own personal tutor, their own mentor, their own support and guidance that can take them on a continuous journey as they learn and grow and become better at their jobs and whatever other aspect we want to plug into this kind of system. For, for me, this is like, so, so I think that one of the biggest things that you, that for me that has stood out is, has been time, right? The fact that we need this, this, this the amount of repetition to, to really retain some information. We need to practice it. Um, we need to get it in a few, maybe different ways. Um, and then we, then it's, then it's like sort of in, ingrained now, but with the system, with your system, we're able to like do this over and over again, over a period of time, which really ingrains the information. Whereas obviously when you go and you do whatever training, it's only that short period of time that we that we're busy that we're there so it so i could have been i could have had a blast there's it's it's just going to disappear if i'm not continuously re-experiencing that content or that information and that learning so you're absolutely right it's you know we got to reinforce it and and talking about the repetition factor i've got young kids you know they're three years old twins and i i watch them learning and it's it's so much more evident, of course, when they're learning really basic skills like potty training or how to ride a bike or whatever it might be, than it is if you're trying to teach somebody some complex procedure or try to change their behavior patterns when we're, talk when we're talking about safety or anything like that. Um, those are harder to observe. With my kids, it's really simple. I can see it. And I can tell you that it's mysterious to me now going through the experience of being a parent that we know that kids need to repeat stuff. We send them to school for 12 years to get them caught up with like the science and history and mathematics and all that stuff of like 200 years ago, and then send them to college for the rest of it. 
if we send them that route or if we send them to trade schools, they can learn something actually useful and productive. Um, but when we get into the workforce, then we go, okay, well, we're going to sit you down in a classroom for a day or a few hours, and you're just going to know this stuff. It's going to stick. Why do we think that? That's crazy, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, that's a, that's 100% correct. It's like we forget, right? We forget about the best way that we actually, or that we actually teach young kids, and we, and we sort of put ourselves back into that industrial, I guess that's part of the whole industrialized um, way of teaching, right? Yeah, well, industrialized yeah, way of teaching is a, is a good word for it. You know, we're, we're trying to do things assembly line, like, like Al mentioned earlier, and mm -hmm. we forget that that's just not really how people work. And what it does, it puts a lot of pressure on the business to be able to use its workers efficiently. It puts a lot of pressure on the workers themselves because they're stressed out trying to learn this stuff. They know they got to learn it somewhere along the way, but every second they spend in the classroom is another second they're postponing getting to their emails or whatever other task it is that they had, or, you know, things are getting late. Um, and, and it's just everything about it is unpleasant. Even the trainer who's standing at the front of the classroom is put under pressure to make sure that everyone learns this stuff because, you know, they're trying to deliver value to their client. They're trying to, especially if it's safety related, they're trying to protect people, save their lives. And we're trapped mm -hmm. in this ideology almost that says that we can somehow magically, I always thought that, you know, business leaders expected some sort of magic wand act out of Harry Potter where we would just be able to wave a magic wand, say hocus pocus, and people would just know what it is that we were trying to teach them. And the frustration is when, when you say, okay, so from a design perspective, here's how many times we're gonna have to repeat this. Here's how many times we're gonna have to go through this procedure or simulate this or practice this in order to really have it. And they go, well, no, they should just learn it. They should just know it. And Oftentimes people yeah, get into so, senior positions um, in a business because they are really good at learning. Yeah, 100%. Alan, you want to say something? Yeah, so, so one of the uh, most recent, um, two, two recent events uh, that uh, have occurred. One is uh, with a, um, a development company who uh, uh, put, their, put their people through an online uh, workplace hazardous information system. In, in Canada, we have this thing called workplace information, uh, hazards, material, workplace hazardous information system, which um, informs workers about how hazardous materials are labeled and, and a whole bunch of stuff about how to look that stuff up. And so we put our people through that and still they're doing this, this and this like they were never in the course. Yeah. Okay. So how, how often did they see that? Well, we put it through, we put them through an e-learning course. So they saw it once. Yes. Okay. There are 16 parts to that, that, to that legislation, to 16 different symbols, first off. Um, so we had one of our developers take the four hour, we call it WIMIS course, and I said, okay, here's the manual. Create a Satiria 120 type course. 340 activities later, we cover everything in that manual. Wow. 
Okay, your average eight hour course, when we develop fall protection, a few other things like that, 180 questions or activities. So it's almost twice. And we deliver that half the time. Hmm. Okay, so is it a wonder that we poison our workers or our workers don't know what's going on? They saw, you know, 340 activities worth of information and you're supposed to suck that in and remember it in four hours. And so when, so what, what, what goes on there is, is an illustration of the pressure that's on business. And the pressure has been put there by business. So in effect, it's business doing it to itself, right? In, in, in the search for um, faster, better, cheaper. Okay, faster, better, cheaper. You can't have that. Something is going to suffer. Mm. And what suffers? is the better part. Sure. You know, you have to see it. Like Rob said, with, with the rats to induce an epileptic seizure, they gotta see that shot 10 times at least. You gotta show somebody that. <clears throat> and, you know, people that are listening to this that, that have kids, think about how many times you had to tell that kid, no, that's hot, no touch. You know, unless, they want my route. What do you mean hot? And reached out and touched it. Okay, that's in green. That's what you mean. Immediately. Yeah. <laughs> that's the pain response. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, those those types of things. But when we're when we're learning um, stuff that we do not use every day, and stuff that that um, almost never comes into play. And this is the interesting thing about safety is if you look at if you just take falling for instance we don't fall that often really um but when we do fall and certainly and talk about falling in a work situation when we fall there's almost always something around willing to poke a hole in you. Mm. almost always and that's where you have to be vigilant. And the vigilance is the piece that's so, so hard to do, right? Um, I, I for, for a while, I did uh, industrial uh, standby um, um, uh, firefighting. So we're, we're at uh, flammable places and people are doing work. And you, you know, 99 times out of 100, nothing will happen. No one will spill anything on themselves. Nobody will set fire to themselves or the place. But that one time it occurs, you need to be ready. Mm. You know, so you're standing in, in heavy bunker gear for 12 hours and you need to be ready to go. And nothing happens for six weeks. Like not even a spark, not even a, oh, that was close, nothing. How do you remain vigilant, right? It's hard. Mm -hmm. So, and this is what we're asking our workers to do. Except the stuff that we're asking them to do actually sits inside their day, right? 
it's 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 just insidiously sitting there. It's like a it's like a bear trap that you've uh, put on the ground. You've sat and you piled a bunch of leaves over it, and guys are walking back and forth. Right, most of the time they, they don't step in that, but every now and then something happens. Right? Mm. Wow, and, and that's where we're at. But, you know, this is what we're this is what we're faced with in in the uh, so so in the safety but, world. But Ellen, does does business is business aware of this? Because obviously they they bear the large brunt of of the the the, the damage caused. Obviously, certain people could lose their, lose their lives, and that's 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 horrible. But I'm talking about business becomes everybody pays attention to who's the cause, right? And the cause would be business. Um, exactly. Is business really aware of, of this and how important it is? And how does the mark, how is the market sort of taken to this? Because, because I know like this is, this is very, very new. Um, it's a different way of thinking. It's, it's a little bit outside the lines. Um, it seems like there's like a large element of trusting employees to actually just use the application versus forcing them into a room where they're going to go and learn. Can, um, can you guys speak to that? Yeah, actually. Um, so business, um, a lot of businesses uh, have, have downloaded this onto the worker. And a lot of businesses mistakenly think because my workers have this magic little piece of paper called a certificate that they are either 100% knowledgeable about everything or that paper wraps a force field around their workers that they'll never get hurt. Hmm. And the sad truth is in North America, if you think that you're mistaken because, and you'll find that out when you have a wreck. And the compliance officers show up and they do their investigation and they go, well, da 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 you didn't do this and this and this and this. And, and the business owners are going, well, wait a minute. I pay, I, I not only paid for their course, I paid their wages to go to the course. Yeah, but you didn't make sure that they actually knew what they were doing. But isn't that the trainer's fault? No, yeah. it's your fault. Yeah. You're the business owner. You sign the checks, you know, you're the expert because it's your business. Yeah. But it, safety isn't my business. Well, yes, it is actually. <laughs> and the law says you must provide a safe place for your workers. And the, the businesses that are hit hardest by this is small to medium-sized businesses that don't have the budget or uh, can't justify whatever that wage is for a full-time safety office. Who, when they're switched on, can actually help a lot of this when they when they number one realize that the training these guys get is only the first step into having them understand how important this is. Um, I can't count the number of times I, I give a course in class, back out on the job site to watch the guy that was in my class yesterday do something that where I have to actually stop the job and say, all right, we need to have a safety stand down and talk about this. To which my client says, why did I pay you to teach them yesterday? Said, 
well, here's the psychology behind that. <laughs> and it's like, you know, and then I said, well, call Robert. <laughs> because he can explain what didn't go on in the brain that, that can't go on. It's not anybody's fault. It's the development of the system. Well, and, and let me just, let me just add a, a detail there too, is that um, there's an impression that I think that a lot of businesses have is that if I send the, somebody to the course and they get a certificate, then I'm legally protected. So that if Joe falls off of the roof of the building, he's got a fall protection ticket. I say, well, I don't know what Joe's problem was. He's got the ticket. He's got the course. I'm not liable. And that's not true. You're still liable. You will still get sued. Your business could to potentially be destroyed completely because of that. And there is a shift starting to happen where even more liability is being placed on the business. So that having taken that course or having checked to make sure the employee has taken the course is no longer protection and is almost worthless from a legal liability point of view. What it does do is allows you to employ that worker and operate your work site. That's about it. But it's not sufficient to protect you from um, any sort of liability or fines even, um, or uh, uh, you know, a, a civil lawsuit from that worker's family or whoever that might be who is impacted by the worker's injury or death. And it's totally logical if you think about it, right? Because there's a lot of other things that could happen between that worker taking the course and that worker getting hurt that are the business's responsibility, how the worksite is engineered, the other protections that are set up in the worksite, whether or not they're given a sufficient equipment or whatever that might be, depending on whatever the situation is, to protect them. It is absolutely the business's responsibility. And the opportunity that we're giving to businesses is to have more data to make sure, number one, that your workers are protected, to have more data to show in the event that something does happen to say, it's not enough to say that, you know, uh, Joe took the course two years ago and look, he's got a valid certificate. We can say Joe answered questions specifically related to the incident that happened correctly with high confidence yesterday and still there was an incident. Mm. We check this stuff in a lot of detail and we tried to predict where those mistakes are going to happen. And in that case, maybe something else happened. Maybe Joe came to work drunk that day or something else, or, or maybe somebody else hit him or who knows. And we can try to investigate what actually happened. And we can also look in detail at those other factors that contribute to those in incidents happening. It's not enough to say Joe took a course that validates that he understands how to inspect this piece of equipment uh, properly use it safely and the legislation around it, which is kind of a real, you know, in a nutshell summary of what's in most of these types of safety courses. But we can say that we're also looking at Joe's mental wellness. We're looking at Joe's um, sense of uh, his ability to identify an unsafe situation, put his hand up to his supervisor and say, this doesn't look right to me. We're, we're saying that we're empowering Joe to understand the culture and connections and all the other factors in their workplace and the communications and how to uh, respectfully identify a problem, as well as their responsibility to their coworkers and their peers to help them be safe. See, what we're trying to look at, again, is how do we actually prevent these incidents from happening, not how do we make a better, more efficient way to deliver this training, which we do, but that's just the surface layer of it. Mm -hmm. We want to look at the whole worker the whole workplace 
and the whole work face, the whole, the whole work um, environment where we can say, how do we actually protect workers and make them safe? And not just in highly regulated uh, work environments like in North America, but we can look at places where there's far more workers who are getting injured because there is less regulatory protection in place, like in Africa or India or Indonesia or any of these places around the world where there's almost an unwritten acceptance that there is you know, just a higher level of risk in a lot of these uh, types of jobs. And you know, it's, it's not acceptable that anybody should get killed trying to put up a skyscraper or build a water treatment plant or a house or any situation, driving a truck. If we look at all of this data and build a really good holistic solid system around it, where we are not just giving the information to the supervisor and to the employer, but all of the information about what to do with that data and supporting them to keep the worker safe, business will be more productive, workers will be more productive, we'll be wasting less time and money on lawsuits, and of course, people won't be getting hurt or killed or injured and all those kind of things. You know, this, this is like, I, I hate to make it sound like it's, you know, the, the most wonderful thing in the world, but for us, I think we're really passionate about this. We think we can transform society, we can transform the workplace, we can improve everyone's lives, and we can make, make them all feel better about the jobs they're doing, the work they're doing, and help them all come home safe to their family at the end of the day. Oh, awesome, Rob. Listen, I, I know that you got to do hard stuff just now, so I, I'm really cognizant of the time of your time and want to thank you both. Um, I think if, you, if you've, you see, we're in a world now of data, and if, we, if we're using that data in the right way, if we're analyzing it in the right way, it can really be meaningful and helpful um, to the people that we're really saying we're trying to help. Um, and I think you guys are, are really onto something super and major. So uh, listen, um, we're definitely going to have your guys' links all around this video. And if you're going to catch it on, um, on the website, you, we're going to have a link directly to, to you guys. Um, cause at the moment, like you said, it's, it's, it's more in health and safety, but it doesn't matter, right? What, what, what industry, um, soon there's going to be everything up on, on Satira on 20, right? You bet. Yep. It, it, any industry across the board, uh, we're really passionate about trying to use this tool that we've got to improve so many aspects of the work workplace. Yeah. If it's, if it has a process, we can help. Absolutely. Ah, um, Marlon, thank you so much. This has been, ah. been a great uh, a great opportunity for us. We could talk so much about this, I, and I'm definitely going to have you guys on. I want to I want to follow you guys and see how you guys are doing. Um, you know, and and whatever updates you have, would love to share. So thank you very much for your time and your energy. Really, really enjoyed tonight to this conversation for me tonight. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. This, this was lots right. of fun, Marlon. I really appreciate you inviting us on, and and uh, you know we're we're really passionate about this. So we've got lots more information to share. We'll talk about this again soon. Awesome. Cheers, guys. Take Bye care for now.